listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through about 23. At Caesarea, that's a a town north of Judea. It's on the Mediterranean coast. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Cornelius was a a Roman centurion. That means he had charge over at least a hundred underneath him. That could have been a hundred officers. So Cornelius was a pretty big deal. And he was even bigger than that because he was a part of this Italian cohort. That was not, not just we're officers in the Roman army, but we are Italian officers in the Roman army. So he had prime Roman citizenship. He was, a, he, was not, uh, he was a centurion, a devout man, verse number two, who feared God with all his household. And he gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon, a tanner. That's a person who takes animal skins and tans it to be used as leather goods. A tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Cornelius is a God-fearing man. He is a man who has obviously been impacted by the faith of the Jews that were living around him. He prayed to the God of the Jews. He gave of his monies to help the poor as, a, as, as an expression of worship to the God of the Jews. He was engaged with that God, but, but who he had not come into contact with yet was Jesus. And the Bible says that God presented an invitation to him to get the information that would help him understand God's purpose. Verse number nine. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And saw the heavens open and something like a giant sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. The idea of Peter's, he's kind of fallen into this deep sleep and he's having this dream, this vision. He sees this big sheet come down and in it were all kinds of animals that according to the Old Testament Levitical law were considered unclean. God had says, you are not to eat of these because I want to keep you as a people separate and unique And as you follow me and listen to and obey me, these are animals that I don't want you to eat of. And so Peter's seeing these animals in the sheet and he hears the voice from heaven. He presumes it to be God and the voice says, Peter, get up, kill and eat. And Peter's like, I can't, Lord, I I can't do that at all because these things are unclean. You know your rules, you know your law, and God is making an adjustment when he says, what I say is clean, don't call unclean. Now, what's happening here in Acts chapter 10 is the gospel is moving out of just the Jewish context, and he's moving into the Gentile world. And for the Jews, the Gentiles, those that were non-Jewish, were unclean. They were dogs. God hated them. God didn't want to have anything to do with them. He wanted to destroy all of them. And God's saying, you missed that boat entirely. I love them just as much as I love you and now it's time for the gospel to extend to them which includes all of us because I'm not aware of any of us that have a Jewish heritage he says I want the gospel to be extended to the Jews and this Cornelius is the first one who's going to hear the gospel presented to him and God is letting Peter understand his role in this by this vision and he says Peter what I've called clean don't you call unclean. This happened three times. It took apparently three times for Peter to finally come to the conclusion, okay, God is doing something unique and I need to be paying attention. So we see this vision. Now, verse 17, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed, Well, of course he was. He had grown up being taught. He had grown up avoiding these things. He had grown up with this knowledge that this is how we are to relate to God. And now God's changing the rule on him. God's changing things as a result of what has been done and accomplished through Jesus. Now God's saying, now I'm opening the door into realms that you did not realize that I had intended to open all along. He's just struggling inwardly. I believe he would do that until he had his first good taste to pull pork. And then I believe that his internal wrestle would probably come to a close. But right now he's inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. What in the world is going on? Behold, the men, while he was perplexed, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. While, and while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Now, were these men Jewish? Jewish. 
No. These men were Roman. And they were sent by who? By God. To find Peter. To tell Cornelius about the missing piece in his life. Look at verse number 20. The Spirit says, Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter, there's some folks out there at the gate. They're looking for you. They're the kind of folks that you would look at and go, uh, you got the wrong guy. Y- y- y'all don't have any business with me. I, I-, I got, listen, I- I'm-, I'm doing my work for God and I don't even know, I don't have any need to be associated. God says, Peter, they're here because I sent them. Don't hesitate. Go with them. Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. And listen, guys, this is a big deal. Like a Jew in this time would never go and be a guest in the house of a Gentile. Like that thought would never even cross their mind that, you know what, we got a neighbor, they just moved into town, they're Gentiles, we ought to go over there and take them some that they would never have even imagined that. Because in their mind, God's love was for his people and his people only, and that God's only intention for the Gentiles was to be destroyed and moved out of the way so that the Jews could become everything God wanted them to be. They were missing God's point. God's point was just to try to keep the the people's focus on him, and so he kept them away from other peoples so that they might not fall into their idolatry and wickedness. But they were thinking that God didn't like the Gentiles. So they would never go to a Gentile's house. They would never consider inviting a Gentile into their home. Nothing could have defiled their home worse than a wicked, pagan, hated by God Gentile coming in and messing up what they've got going. They would never consider that. And now Peter is coming to the door and he's at Simon the Tanner's house and he walks to the door and goes, hey, y'all come on in. Hey, do you know Simon the Tanner didn't have any visions? You know Simon the Tanner, he's he's being hospitalized. Uh, hospitable he's got peter and maybe some others there in his home and now peter goes to the door and goes yeah why don't y'all come on in i'm just imagining simon and most definitely simon's bride are probably looking at one another going what is he doing inviting those dirty gentiles in the house but peter had heard from god and he says no no i'm the one you're looking for come on in the next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him on this journey I'll tell you what happens in the latter part 
of Acts chapter number 10. Peter goes to where Cornelius is. Cornelius is expecting him because the angel had told him that Peter was going to come. He sent the folks and there was Peter. And Cornelius is like, I knew you were coming. Come on inside. Now, tell us what we need to hear. And Peter begins to tell Cornelius about Jesus. See, Cornelius was a God-fearing man, but he knew nothing about the Savior. He knew nothing about Messiah. And Peter says, what God sent me here to tell you is that he has you on his mind and Jesus is your Savior. He was crucified in your place for your sin and he was raised victorious, God's risen Messiah. And he's the one that you must worship. The Bible tells us in chapter number 10 that Cornelius and those in his household, even while Peter was talking, in their hearts they believed. And because Peter would have never believed that they too were going to be believers and a part of God's family, the Bible tells us that Cornelius and those that had believed received the Holy Spirit and they too began to speak in languages they had never learned. And of course, Peter sitting there going, this is really happening. These folks have received the spirit just like we did. And that's the point of chapter 10. But what I want you to do is to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Follower of Jesus. Given the promise and the, and the call of, of spreading the gospel and then been given the power to do that however God intended. Guess what you are as a follower of Jesus? You are saved by the same kind of faith. You are given the same exact call to represent Jesus and you've been empowered with the same Holy Spirit. And when we say it's our responsibility to go and tell the world, we go, how are we going to do that? How are we going to accomplish that? And today we want to start just four weeks of thinking about what if we're missing the forest for the trees and what if we're missing the one tree from the many? Here's what I want you to think about. As we read... Acts chapter number 10. I want you to hear what, what has happened here. And I just call this, this one sentence just kind of sums up Acts chapter number 10. And here it is. God is working out the details. For someone who trusts Jesus as Savior, for someone who has the call to share the gospel, and for someone who's been given the power to do so, God is working out the details. I want you to say that out with, out loud with me. God is working out the details. Say it again. God is working out the details. The details of how you are going to fulfill his call through his power. God is working out the details. And what if we trusted what he said about us? What if we believed what he said to us and we just allowed ourselves to be used by him yet seeking 
that opportunity with all our heart. We see in this little passage that God was already active in the heart of Cornelius. Peter didn't even know who Cornelius was. Peter probably didn't care who Cornelius was at this point. But God was already working in the heart of a man hundreds of miles away in an effort to bring him to Christ through someone who didn't even at the time know him and at the same time God was active in Peter's heart to prepare him for something he never dreamed possible he knew he had been called to represent Jesus in, in Jerusalem, Judea. He's there in Joppa. He's, he's in, you know, Samaria's in, in, in the cone of, uh, of opportunity. And so is the ends of the earth. But, but a centurion, a Roman in, in Caesarea in his house, he never would have dreamed this possible. But God was already at work in his heart. God's working out the details. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got that same faith, you've got that same call, you've got that same power. And just as God was working out the details in Peter, God's working out the details for you. Just like God was working out the details for Cornelius, God is working out the details for your one. Who's your one? God was working in Cornelius, God was working in Peter. And then God opened the door in his time. You see what God did? Peter was just up praying, just asking God, what's next, Lord? How you want to use me? Where do we need to go? What do we need to do? And what does Peter get? A knock at the door. God, in his time, opened the opportunity for someone with the same faith as you, someone with the same call as you, someone with the same power as you to engage for the benefit of one. Who's your one that God is working on? What's that opportunity going to be that God is preparing for you and the one that he wants you to introduce to Jesus? I had you raise your hand. Do you believe that God will do what he says he will do through you by his power for his glory? And we hold our hands up. Guess what that means? That says we believe that God will use us to promote and present the gospel. And a campaign like this just boils it down to saying, let's don't get all overwhelmed about the forest. Let's don't even let ourselves get tripped up by the trees. Let's just focus on one that God's already working on and an opportunity that God already has in mind. What was Peter's responsibility in this? Peter had to make a willing choice. God says, those guys are here to see you. Now go with them because I got this thing worked out. All, all Peter brought to the table was a willing heart and the truth. That's it. But he had to make that choice. Peter had to decide 
to move in the direction God was leading. God's working out the details. God's already got all the details ironed out. In fact, God's got the power that you don't have. He's already infused you with it. And he's worked out. In fact, he'll open up the opportunity for you. The only thing you've got to bring to the table is a willing heart. A willingness to say, okay, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work. But I'll let you use me. And the who's your one card is going to be step number one in allowing God. This is just a, look, this is not divine. This is probably about 24 pound paper and some color print. But this is a tool to help us engage and realize, you know what? God wants to use me for this one. And he's working out the details. And all I've got to do is bring a willing heart. I think about Isaiah chapter number six, uh, about verse number seven, I think. God, Isaiah is seeing this vision of God and, and he hears God say, and God just kind of says this to the, to the angels and those that are around him. And he says, uh, whom shall I send? Who do I have to send? And who will go for me? And, and some of y'all know what Isaiah says. If you know what Isaiah said, said when, when I begin to say it, you say it with me. He says, here am I, Lord, send me. <laughs> it's kind of like Isaiah was kind of like, he's looking around going, Guess I'm, guess I'm the only one, only one here. And I don't, all right, Lord, I guess that's me. You know what? God's saying the same thing to us every day. Who am I going to send? Who am I going to send to Denison Middle School? And Terry goes, here, my Lord, send me. You know, who, who am I going to send to State Farm? And several of y'all, here, my Lord, send me. Who am I going to send to Oasis Christian Academy? Here, my Lord. Send me, who am I going to send to Rush Truck Parts? You know, Lord, you want to do something at Rush Truck Well, send me, Lord. I guess that's where you want me to go. Well, now, what, what am I going to do? Let's talk about it. What if we started a journey today, and let's just let it, let's let it extend for the whole year. We'll, we'll talk about it for about a month, really specifically, but what if we really started focusing on one at a time, one at a time, and we, we put ourselves before God and went, okay, Lord, I believe that you're working out the details in somebody's life for me to share the gospel with. I, I, I don't know how that's going to happen, you know. I don't know that the best thing for me to do is to show up at their house at 8 o'clock on a Tuesday night and go, hey, I'm here to share the gospel with that. Hey, that may work, but I, Lord, I don't even know. I've never done this before, and in fact, right now, I'm really wishing I'd have just taken Labor Day off, then I wouldn't have had this guard, and I could have just slid on by. But if you were willing to step in there and go, okay, Lord, here I am. I guess use me. Well, there's about five actions that we can do. And let's just go over these. Some of you may be looking on with you version. Here they are. How, how can we say today, here I am, Lord, send me. Action number one, identify your one. 
And your card right here, it's perforated right here. So it's got a place where you can pull it. You don't, don't pull it off yet. And there's a, a line right there. Who's your one? You thought about it. Who's your, didn't it? Who is your one? There's the name right there. A first name only. But maybe you don't know who your one is. This name needs to be somebody that God lays on your heart that, that you know or feel pretty confident doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And you say, okay, Lord, I want you to tell me, lay it on my heart, lay it on my mind. I, I, I want to be, I want to be. And, and, and you got to tell me who my one is. Who is it that you're working out the details about? And, and I want to write that name down. You're going to write down all the names that God brings to your mind, maybe on, on a sheet somewhere else. And as you're thinking, you're going, oh, him, her, who, maybe. And you got this long, hey, that's awesome. Don't, don't be discouraged. But all you're doing is you're seeing the trees. And before long, you may have a forest. But let God lay on your heart the one. Let God show you and lead you to the one and you're gonna write their name on that little line right there. You're gonna write it down and you're gonna allow God to define your one. What's action number two? You're gonna take this card. Once you've got your one written, maybe you have it today, maybe you don't. That's okay. Once you know who your one is, you're going to take this and you're going to tear it off and you're going to share your one. You're going to keep the bottom side right here because there's a place for you to write their name on your piece. You get the long piece, we get the short piece. You're going to pull it off and you're going to put it in our little prayer boxes right there, little black boxes. Some of you didn't even know what they were hanging on the box right on the wall right there. And you're going to drop their name down in there. And I'm going to come along after service on Sundays and I'm going to take them out and we're going to begin to pray for these ones if you will you're going to share you want first name only that's all we want and if you want to be in the loop of knowing who all of our ones are then you're going to write your name and email on here and as we get cards and we find Frank and Johnny and Janie and whoever is on those lists I'm going to make this long list and if you want to know so that you can start praying for them as well because they're people that God's laid on your brother and sister's heart then you just write your name and email and I'll put you on that list and every week I'll send out the list here's our ones here's who we're praying for here's who we're expecting God to do something in their life that's action number two action number three we're gonna pray for our one so you're gonna take your one you're gonna write the name on it you're gonna drop it in the box and then you've got your card right here it's a maybe a bookmark for your bible or something you can put on your uh your your mirror in the bathroom or somewhere close to where you'll find it as your reminder to pray for them and here's what we're gonna do We're going to commit to praying for our one for 30 days. On your card, you see a scripture that you will read each one of those 30 days. And what that is to do is to give you an opportunity to pray what God has already said about your one. 
You're to pray. God has said some awesome things. And when we come to the Lord, we're going to pray knowing that we're praying in his will. And we're just going to ask God to do what he already says he wants to do for our one. For 30 days, we're going to be praying in a means to be able to help you do that. I've got a 30-day prayer journal, prayer guide, and I've got one up here in this box for every family. Not for every person, but for every family. This would give you an opportunity once the Napier family knows who their one is, and they've got, they've got a bunch of them, you know, so they're sitting around at night. Maybe they could just spend a couple of minutes at night writing those names down in this little pad right here and just praying these prayers as a guide for helping us let God work out the details while he's working on our hearts to be prepared for our opportunity to share with that one. So if you take a card home today, and I would ask that one person from your family come grab you a journal. We run out, we'll print some more. We won't run out of these. We'll just keep printing as long as they make paper. So just grab you one of these, take it home, you'll have it ready. So we're going to pray for them. Action number three, for 30 days asking God to do what God's going to do. While we're doing that, we're going to be preparing what we're going to share. Because some of you are going, I don't know what I'm going to say. That's okay. Just keep hanging. We're going to share all of that information with you. We're going to put some tools in your hand so that you'll be ready and able to share clearly the gospel when the time comes. Then we're going to say action number four. We've been praying, and so maybe it's the end of that 30 days. Maybe it's after 45 days. Maybe it's after 10 days. I don't know what God's going to do. Peter had no idea what God's going to do. But we're going to wait, and we're going to watch. And when God opens that opportunity, maybe it is a, hey, could I borrow a cup of sugar Or, hey, would it be okay if you picked up my child at school? Or, hey, can I come in and talk to you about maybe taking some days off? God's going to open that opportunity, and you're going to have been praying for that one, and that's going to be your cue to go, listen, honestly, I've been praying for you for a while. There's some things that I just really love to share with you that have absolutely defined me and I'd love to share that with you when God opens the door you just simply tell them about Jesus and we're going to help you be prepared action number four share the gospel but don't leave them hanging you're going to invite them to receive Jesus You're not just going to give them information. I hope that does you good, but you're actually going to say, would you be interested in trusting Jesus as your Savior? Knowing him like I know him? And we're going to see what happens. Action number, we're going to share the gospel. We've been praying. We've been preparing. Then God opens that door. We're going to share. And then uh, action number five is one of two. Action number 5A says, you're going to rejoice when they trust Jesus. 
God's working out the details. He's working on their heart. He's working in your heart. He's going to open the door and you're going to share the gospel. And if they say, you know what? I'd love to trust Jesus as my savior. You're going to rejoice with them and you had better tell us what has happened because we want to rejoice with you and we want to help you as you continue to be a part of their life. So action 5A, we're going to celebrate when they trust Jesus. But In the event that they say, you know what? I'm just not ready. We're also going to act in 5B. We're going to relax. We're going to relax if they don't trust you. We're not going to get anxious. We're not going to get bothered. We're not going to get upset. We're not going to take it personally. We're going to relax. You know why? Because their salvation is not dependent upon us. Their salvation is God's business. It has to do with the work that God has done and the heart that they have to respond willingly to the invitation of the gospel. So if they don't trust Jesus, we're going to breathe. We're going to relax. We fulfilled our responsibility. We've planted that gospel seed. We're going to keep praying for that one and we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to be available. Have you trusted Jesus by faith? Yeah, most of you, yeah. Have you been called to share the gospel wherever you are? Of course. Has God told you that he will empower you to accomplish that? Yes, he has. What is your responsibility? Will and heart. And and this is, some of you are going, a gimmick? Touche. It's a gimmick but it is a gimmick designed to get you thinking about what God's already doing if you'll let him do it. Now, here's how we're going to close. I would like for my, um, I'd like for my uh, board of directors, so elders and trustees and your wives, I want you all to come down here, okay, with me. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to find a spot right down here at this altar, okay? We're going to, we're going to kneel here or we're going to kneel there, and, and, and we're going to pray. Some of us for our one, some of us don't even know who our one is yet, and we're going to ask God to do it. And here's what I want to do. I want everybody who's interested in saying, hear my Lord send me then when we get down to pray well I just want you to make your way down here too every Wednesday night before we leave all our all our kids uh, teenagers we all come around we pray around this altar all the way around we ask God to make it real what he's done what we've learned so we're going to do that today so you stand with me you don't have to come but we're going to close today by praying for our one so let's just find us a spot and you come down as you desire I'm gonna pray and I have written down these things that I want to pray on our behalf if these are yours as well and you just pray with me not out loud but in your heart father wash me clean today so that I can be an effective witness for you 
word says if we confess our sin, that you will forgive us. You'll cleanse us. God, I want to be a vessel that's useful and effective. What sin needs to be confessed right now? Father, place on my heart and my mind the one that you've prepared for me to share the gospel to. Show me who my Cornelius is, Lord. I may not even know them. They may be a neighbor across the road that I don't even know their name. I ask that you'll show me who the one is. Father, remove the fear that I'm feeling and replace it with confidence in your call and in your power. Father, give me the desire and the will to pray diligently and daily for my one. God, give me the courage to to ask you to show me who my one is and do that diligently and daily until I know. And then I pray that you'll give me courage to keep praying for him. Father, prepare me for how the enemy will attack me as I seek to be used by you. The enemy does not want us to believe that you would use us to bring others to yourself. He's going to attack. We ask that you'll prepare us. God, prepare my one to hear your truth. Make their heart receptive to your word. Go before me. Work out the details. Make them ready. Father, speak to my one even now, wherever they're at. Somehow, let them know that you love them. Give them that sense that there is more. Prepare them. God, open the opportunity for me to tell them about Jesus. Don't let me forget about his death. Don't let me forget about his resurrection. Don't let me forget his invitation to forgive and to save all who will submit to him by faith. Father, when it's your time, fill me with your words and help me as I prepare in advance to share your truth. Father, save my one. Give me the opportunity to see them move from death to life. Give me the opportunity to rejoice with them. I pray that you'll save. Guys, we are here, and and I know there's a number of folks on their knees, not really knowing what to expect over the next little while. I pray that you'll give us fruit. Let us see people come to know Christ by just being faithful. Thank you for the opportunity to be known and loved by you. And I pray that this, while, yes, it's a campaign, but may this be a catalyst 
for something that continues for the remainder of our life. That we'll always be looking for the one. And trusting that you're working out the details. We just need to be faithful. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have of being together as a family. We love you and we trust you. For us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.